What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined, as always, on Mock Draft Monday. I got Mello beside me. I got Connor in New York. And boys, we got Miko Hardman coming on. Mello and I, we talked to him Thursday. Pre-recorded that one for you. But most importantly, it is Mock Draft Monday. We're going to go through all 32 picks of what will happen when we get there. What is it? April 25th? We're almost there. It's close. Yeah, just like uh, under a month away. It is really sneaking up on us. Really should have been dieting longer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely flying. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> that always helps, too. I think if you want to survive, because don't forget, this is my favorite mistake we make every year. We're like, yeah, the draft's in a month. And like when it's over, like we're going to have fun for a long time and just relax. And then it's like, no, no, no. We got grades to do. We got all these different yeah. things to do those couple weeks after. So. Uh, a lot of process left, guys. A lot of process left. If you've missed the news or the tweets that we've we've talked about our draft week plan, I'll be in New York all week. Connor and I will be busting out content from the New York office. Mello flies out there Wednesday night. Uh, so Thursday night, Friday night, rounds one, two, and three of the draft. You can stream our coverage of every pick live uh, on Twitter and on YouTube. It'll be Adam Lefko hosting with myself and Connor on the desk evaluating the picks. And then we will, after that, guys, we'll go away, record a podcast that kind of looks at our take on on the picks that happen. So you're going to get a ton of stick-to-football coverage from the draft. Day three is still, we're figuring out the plan about that, trying to figure out a plan about potentially a meetup in the New York area. So there's a lot of lot of information to be coming, and we'll do our best to update you guys here as, as soon as we have those notes. But I think we just get into this mock draft because it's going to take a bit to get through all 32. Mello? And well, there's not a whole lot going on around the league either. So, no, there's not. I feel like we can skip that. Pick number one of this draft. Uh, this is what we're hearing, and I haven't heard any different. So, it's still Kyler Murray, at, but we are going snake draft this time. Oh, that's so right. I'm going to be off the board for a while. Uh, I'm going to go have a snack. I'll see you boys in a second. <laughs> and, and, Connor, this is something that Mello and I talked about on the Friday morning show. I actually got a little heated. And this is what we've been hearing since early January. I know that some folks have come out and said like that the Cardinals haven't made a decision or, you know, there's no one who could know what the decision is at this point, but the information has remained consistent for almost four months. So this is either the longest smoke screen in the history of the NFL draft or the Cardinals just want to take Kyler Murray. I'm with you, Mello. Like I, that's the pick I would make if I were the, the, the one making this selection here. The longest smokescreen and possibly the dumbest because their current quarterback and Josh Rosen is furious. So I don't think that was ever the plan. I think it was pretty obvious that maybe under the table, the Cardinals told Kyler Murray before he even officially pivoted away from baseball to football that there was a good chance they wanted him to be their guy. The Cliff Kingsbury hire kind of screams that too. nothing too shocking here. But I really did enjoy that show where you guys outlined the timeline and how just not a lot has changed over these three months. Yeah. All right. Number two, the Niners. They are the luckiest team if this happens because they get Nick Bosa at number two overall. I know some folks have said, well, they just paid D Ford. Maybe they would go Quinn and Williams. I think the Niners have to have a conversation about Quinn and Williams because I do believe that he is an elite talent in this draft. But Nick Bosa is the best player in the class. I I was I pitched an article about this actually. Let me let me pull scouts and find out, you know, is Bosa the consensus best player. The article got canned because everyone said Bosa. Like there was no there was no counterpoint. Everybody was like, yeah, it's Bosa. Yep, it's Bosa. You know, I've heard teams that have given him a 9.0, which on our, the grading scale that I use and that they use is perfect. You know, if you want to use other grading scales, teams that, you know, will call him a 1.1 player. Like he is uh, unquestionably the best player in the class, in my opinion. So he's up there. If the Niners are smart and I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in John Lynch, but they can't mess this one up. They have to go Nick Bosa. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. That's, that's the guy. And for the people that think D Ford is kind of any reason that they would block this pick, he's really on a one year, $21 million deal and they can pay as they go after that. And I think a lot of people recognize that Nick Bosa is just an overall better pass rusher than D Ford or could be in the future. So I really like that pick for them. Think it, think it makes a lot of sense. Once again, this is a draft of what we think will happen. So the New York Jets on the clock at number three, I think they will trade out of this pick. I think if they can't, the pick will be Quinnen Williams. He's another guy, like you said, Matt, has some really off the charts grades here. I compare him to Fletcher Cox, maybe, you know, even more of a higher ceiling than him. So Quinnen Williams, yes, they have Henry Anderson and Leonard Williams, but I think Mike McCagnan has shown in the past he will stick to a best player available approach. And that best player here would be Quinton Williams over a pass rusher like Josh Allen. 
Number four for me in the snake draft here, the Oakland Raiders. Once again, I would take Ed Oliver here, but everything I've heard is that if Quinn and Williams is off the board, it will be Devin White. So they, I know they've added Vontez Perfect, and I know that the coaches have come out and said that they like their linebackers. That's not anything that's going to stop them from taking a player like Devin White that is much higher graded than a lot of people realize across the board in the NFL, especially when you talk about his ceiling. A lot of people comparing him to Miles Jack. I know me and Matt have done that on this podcast before. So Quinton Williams, number three to the New York Jets. Devin White, number four to the Oakland Raiders. So I want to go back to this Jets pick. It's interesting because as much as we all work together, the three of us, we also have you know, different things that we do for our jobs and different people we talk to. The one thing that I'll say that I've heard is that it would be Josh Allen. So I think that's like one of the, like we know, I think what pick one and two will be at this point, but we, I think three is, and I'm with Connor. I think the Jets would love to trade out and the, the Jets are one of those teams that's probably like hyping up these quarterbacks. Like they're hyping Dwayne Haskins so hard right now, trying to get someone to trade up for him. I think that's an interesting point right now where the draft could pivot is if they can't find a trade partner, who do they take? Is it Quinn and to put him next to Leo and have a dominant interior pass rush? Is it Josh Allen on the outside? So a a lot can change in the next 26 days, but that that is what I'm hearing. And I'm with you, Connor, on four with Oakland. And it's funny because I I think it's either Quinn and Williams or Devin White for Oakland, and they'll take the the top one that's there. So I think you're spot on with that. I saw our buddy Booger McFarland came out this week sometime and was talking up Devin White and was like, everybody's going to be surprised at how high he goes. And everyone in his mentions was like, dude, he's already talked about his top five. Right. Unless like, he goes where, first overall. <laughs> where have you been? He can't get much higher than like four to the Raiders. I don't, the Niners going to come out and pick him? I don't yeah, think so. No. But I like Devin White a lot. And I think if Oakland is smart, they can probably take him right there at four. All right, I'm up at five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think this is the worst possible scenario for this team if the board goes this way. Because I I would think losing Quan Alexander, they have their eyes firmly set on Devin White. So if the board goes this way, I think Tampa would look at that awful defense they have. They're transitioning. Now that they have Todd Bowles there, it's going to be probably more of a 3-4 look on defense. I think that we could see Josh Allen be the pick here. So that's where I'll go. Josh Allen from Kentucky. I like Josh Allen. He is my number three player in this class. He's a guy that you, it's weird because he had a lot of production, but you almost have to bet on his upside a little bit because there are certainly times he can struggle to disengage from blockers. I think if there's a negative to his game, it's that he doesn't have great hands to get guys off him when they lock on. So would they play him off ball? Would they let him just be a classic edge rusher? Uh, I I think you can look at, you know, maybe like what Arizona has done with Chandler Jones. That's how you would probably want to use Josh Allen a little bit. But I still think, and I know Connor disagrees. Melo, I don't know if you have him ranked or if you've done a a ranking yet, but I, I think he's certainly worthy of a top five pick. I do too. And I actually, I think he's really in play for the Jets. At three, just based off what they need. If they keep Leonard Williams, maybe they go out and get an edge guy. I really like Josh Allen. I like what he can do against uh, the passing game. I think he can get to the quarterback. He can develop some good hand use. He can bend the edge. And he can also drop back and pass coverage. So if you need that 3-4 outside linebacker, I think he really fits. I don't know how well he fits with Tampa Bay, but they're probably going to be pressured to take a defensive player right here. And I don't know who else you're going to take if it's not Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ed Oliver could be the guy, but again, if they're going to run a base 3-4, Ed Oliver could fit. I mean, absolutely could, but it's maybe not the most ideal fit. Right. And I'm up here, pick number six, the New York football giants. They've come out and they've said a lot of stuff about Dwayne <laughs> Haskins and how they don't like him. They haven't done a lot of work on him. And I don't believe a single thing that's coming out of Dave Gettleman's mouth. I think it's opposite day for him. Uh, they said they weren't going to trade Odell Beckham. Well, guess what? They're going to go ahead and take Dwayne Haskins here. I think it just makes too much sense. You need a quarterback. I think they're trying to talk him down so that he falls to six and they don't have to worry about trading up to three. So right here at pick number six is Dwayne Haskins for me. Yeah, I like I it. Mean, listen, yeah, yeah it makes Connor a lot of saying, sense, right? We've talked about this a lot, right? That they have come out and said, "No, no, we're not. We're not. You know, we might keep Eli. You know, there are people that believe in Eli. I saw a report come out Sunday about that. They might extend Eli Manning. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, oh, God, <laughs> someone needs to slap someone else if that's being talked about in that building. So, I we talked about smoke screens with Arizona. I think what I think that New York, excuse me, is a team that they've tried to put out misinformation at this mm-hmm. point about the quarterbacks. It's just 
I think this it's an important thing for fans to remember is the the GM doesn't always get to make the pick. The head coach doesn't always get to make the pick. Yeah. You have to tell your owner, this is what we're doing. Every team, Wednesday or Thursday, the draft is going to go to the owner and say, here's our draft plan. You know, we've ran through mock drafts. We've ran through scenarios. This is what we think will happen. Here's our goal. And if you are Dave Gettleman and uh, Pat Shermer, you have to go to the Giants owners and say, guys, we're going to take a quarterback. And here's why. And they might say no. John Mara might say, no, Eli Manning is, in Melo's opinion, a Hall of Famer. We got to keep this guy around. So I, I think that uh, we talked about trades, and, and we'll, you know, when, when Washington comes up at 15, Connor might talk about this, but I would keep a strong eye on Washington trading up to get one of these quarterbacks. Especially if they can get up to three or five. If the board falls yep. this way and Tampa Bay has something going on there with Josh Allen, I think they could move out of that pick and be a candidate to move back. Connor's being arrested right now. I don't know if you can hear that or not. Yeah, I was going to say, just love living in the city. You get the sirens right there. So, no, I mean, when you look at it, three is the sweet spot, like you guys said. And I think the biggest question will be, what will the Jets charge for teams to come up? Because if someone like Washington likes Dwayne Haskins and the price isn't as high as it usually is just because the Jets have interest in moving back and acquiring, you know, a little bit more of draft capital, then I think teams will be more interested than what we've heard. It, like we keep saying on this show, this draft really starts at that third overall pick, and if the Jets will even be making it. Yep. And let's move on to pick number seven. I'm up again with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they have to address the offensive line here. Uh, I like Jawan Taylor's tape. I like what he can do at right tackle, and I think he's a guy with good enough feet that he can develop and maybe uh, slide over and play that left tackle spot, free up some lanes for Fournette, Kind of keep your quarterback healthy that you just paid a lot of money to. So I'm thinking they addressed offensive line here. And the best tackle right now is Juwan Taylor. I like that. And Connor, how many years have you and I been doing this? This is Melo's second year uh, where we're like, we talk about Jacksonville and then they take a a Blake Bortles. You know, like this is what Jacksonville Mm -hmm. should do. And they're a great place for it. They're obviously not right. They're obviously not going to take a quarterback, but they are a weird team to where like, you just don't ever feel like you have your finger on the pulse of what they're going to do because they will just go off the reservation. Melo, I could see them taking TJ Hawkinson. I Or DK Metcalf. I could see yeah. him coming off the board right here as well. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. If that happens on draft night, I won't have a shocked face. Um, <laughs> but right now, I see it being Juwan Taylor. All right. Uh, I'm going to make Connor really, really happy with this pick. The Detroit Lions Love are it. on the clock at number eight overall. <laughs> and I'm going to take Rashawn Gary here. Again, maybe not what I would do. But what I've heard they will do, and I want to say this is a team that this is TJ Hawkinson uh, range right here, even after some of the moves they made in free agency to get Jesse James, to get Logan Thomas. uh, They still need a tight end because I just told you they added Jesse James and Logan Thomas. And that is a big part of what they want to do offensively. But defensively, they need a lot of help. Uh, Trey Flowers, they brought in a big money free agent signing. They still need help on the other side of that defensive line. And if they want to truly run Matt Patricia's defense, they need versatility. So if you could have Ashawn Robinson and Trey Flowers and Rashawn Gary as the three dudes that you're building around up front, and you got Damon Harrison in there as your first and second down run stopper, that D-line looks pretty fucking good. So I, I think that you know with the Lions, yeah, they need a pass catcher. They would love to have, a, have another tight end. We could see them go there in round two with a guy like Dawson Knox. So I think round one, they go get one of the premier edge rushers in the class. And this is the part of the draft where the Buffalo Bills at ninth overall tilt their heads back and laugh because they get Ed <laughs> Oliver here, who's a top three player in this draft. And listen, I, I think he will be available in this spot. I don't think he should, but I think Ed Oliver really is sitting between that nine to 12 range. I can't see him getting past Green Bay Packers, but I think this is really where his name has to come into consideration And I think the Bills are a team that have made it known they want to improve this offensive line for Josh Allen. They went out and spent some free agent dollars to do that. I think Jonah Williams would be a consideration here. But Ed Oliver is just too good to pass up. And I think this is a spot where you just just have to consider it. Number 10, the Denver Broncos. God, everyone's probably sick of this one, but this is the mock where we, you know, what we think will happen. And I think if Drew Locke is just sitting them, staring them in the face at 10, John Elway is going to take Drew Locke at 10. So it's as simple as that here. I'd be really surprised to see Denver go in a different direction. Yeah, I would too. And I want to say to your Ed Oliver pick, I know you love him. I'm glad that you you said, hey, there's a, a strong chance that he's going to be on the board at nine. There's a strong chance he's going to be on the board at 12. Like He is such yeah, a fascinating player. And I just, I want to firmly state this. And I, I think I speak for all three of us. 
Ed Oliver will be the biggest mistake teams make this year because they're going to let him fall. Yeah, they're going to look at his size and say, okay, I'm not really sure where and he fits in our scheme. Bad, right? yeah. like, <laughs> but so many teams have a weight that they require yeah. for a certain position, and I don't know that he's going to meet that for a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, 281 at his pro day. I mean, it's not the biggest dude, but like you said, his tape is just fantastic. And and I have not always like been his biggest fan. I, I would have loved to have seen more uh, more production, a little more strength at the point of attack, but like we salivate for pass rushers who can do what he does. Mm-hmm. So don't fuck this up, the NFL, but we all know you're going to. Um, all right, I think we take our first break right here at 10. That's a good even number to take a break. And then we'll be back. I'm on the clock with your Cincinnati Bengals. All right, guys, Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. The only team to vote against the new pass interference rule. Of course they did. <laughs> yes, Jesus, the Cincinnati they Bengals. They probably thought they saw Vontez Perfect. Probably so, right? All right, number 11. In a lot of mock drafts that we've done, guys, this is where we would have put Devin Bush. Or, because, or at one point we thought, hey, maybe Devin, Devin White, White slips to this spot. Nope. I think we look at what they've done in free agency. Sometimes that is such a roadmap to what teams will do in the draft. Not always, but sometimes. You know, they have a linebacker core of... You know, Nick Vigil, Preston Brown, Jordan Evans, Malik Jefferson. They didn't address this in free agency at all. So I actually think that they won't end the draft either. I'm going to go with a pass rusher, Montez Sweat here. They drafted Sam Hubbard in the third round last year, and they do have Jordan Willis, who's been a fairly good situational player. But I think they, again, try to get a top 10 player as an edge rusher. Montez Sweat has owned the process. Senior Bowl, fantastic. Combine, out of this world. Pro Day, out of this world. He's checking every box that you can possibly check. The only thing that could come up for, for Montez Sweat that might hurt him is there, he was uh, dismissed from Michigan State as a freshman for disciplinary issues. I'm anxious to hear what that's all about. Um, I know I said earlier in the season we talked to, about him, I talked to a source at Mississippi State. They said he might be a guy that doesn't absolutely love football, but he seemed to turn it on this year and answer those questions. I mean, he's going through the whole process, and it really looks like he likes to be there. Throughout the Combine, the Senior Bowl, he's shown out. And I don't think you do that unless you really love football. Or maybe he just wants to get a payday. But either way, I like this pick at 11. I would rather see him going at 8 uh, because you know how I feel about Rashawn Gary. But that's another topic. Because I'm up at number 12 with the Green Bay Packers. And the pick that I want to see, and I think they're going to keep going with this, addressing the defense here, is going to be Devin Bush. I think... Uh, especially since we have uh, Devin White going at four. That's going to push up Devin Bush's stock a little bit, and the Green Bay Packers can go get an exceptional middle linebacker for the middle of that defense. I love Devin Bush. I know he's your guy, Mello. Um, I, I think that we need to like do a better job in the show of like when you when you guys, especially are early on a player, to just own that and let you do it. Yeah, yeah Devin Bush was your dude all along. So uh, I have... Absolutely zero problems with that pick. I, I love him. How about Miami? You're up again at 13. Since you took my guy at number 11, I, I really thought they would address that edge position and go with maybe a guy like Montez Sweat, uh, but he's not there anymore. But I think they can still uh, maybe reach a little bit uh, if you look at some people's boards. But Brian Burns, has an, he's another guy who's done everything through this process. He's put on the weight. He's looked great at the combine and everything that he's done. I think that they go ahead and take this edge position guy, long arms, quick off the ball. I think he's developing into his body. And right here at pick 13 might seem like a little bit of a reach for some people. Uh, But I think if we look back at this pick in five years, you're going to say, holy shit, we got Brian Burns at pick 13. I mean, I'm with you all the way on that one. I think Brian Burns is a stud and it's really shown on film. And then when you talk about the weight he put on and tested how he did at the combine, for a team that might be labeled as tanking this year, uh, Burns is somebody that will make an instant impact and somebody that would be there for a long time wreaking havoc. I, I just love the player, and I think really that's his sweet spot in this draft is right in, right inside the top 15. Does it feel like he's being forgotten about to anyone else? It does, like he's I mean, the, he's the fourth pass rusher. Yeah, probably. I think he's better than that, though. He's better than Rashawn Gary. He's better than Montez Sweat. Like, I don't know. I just, if we got there on draft night and I don't, I don't know, like the Detroit Lions at eight call his name. I'd be like, oh, smart. Like, duh, we we just were missing this the whole time. 
Yeah. They should call his name. And that's where so, Leonard yeah, Floyd went. You know, and I think they're very similar as prospects. So yeah, I do too. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm up again, the Atlanta Falcons. And I actually stole this dude from Connor I, I, as we're, so we're doing this mock draft live. These aren't predetermined picks. We wanted you guys to like get the rawness of us making decisions. And I stole Jonah Williams. And I think that I haven't heard that the Falcons want to draft Jonah Williams or anything like that. They could definitely go defensive tackle here. Um, but Jonah Williams fits them really well. Scott Pioli loves going offensive defensive line in the first round. Jonah Williams, a high character, three-year starter at Alabama, incredibly football smart, scheme versatile. I still think he can play tackle, and I'm going to die on that hill, but they need help at guard. He could come in right away, be a Zach Martin type, all-pro prospect at guard, in my opinion. I mean, I love the pick. You talk about a guy that could play tackle center or guard for an offensive line that needs help, and something we've talked about is they added James Carpenter in the offseason, but that's not necessarily this this fix that's like really putting a band-aid over something that needs stitches so when it comes down to it i think that's a really really nice pick there and i'm not even mad you stole him from me <laughs> all right 15 washington not convinced they make this pick i think they are going to be proactive to climb in this draft but if they do tj hawkinson here yes with the alex smith injury you'd love to see them go get their quarterback of the future if they can't make it happen get a guy that's an instant impact piece for the run game and pass game that's exactly what hawkinson is I think he's very similar to Greg Olson. He's just somebody that will help you so much, and he'll do it right away. So excited to see where he falls in this draft. I think Washington's a really nice landing spot for him. 16, the Carolina Panthers. This one was really tricky because I wanted to take somebody that I like a little better on the offensive line like Cody Ford, but I think they have a bigger need at the tackle spot in Andre Dillard, somebody that will help their pass protection right away. It's going to be really curious to see where Cam Newton is at and and how banged up he is coming into this training camp. But when it comes down to it, I, I mean, the overall point is you got to protect him. And teams are going to value Andre Dillard a lot higher than a lot of media scouts are. Yeah, I I keep going back and forth on Andre Dillard. I just I love being transparent on this podcast as we're doing draft four hundred. There was a, a time where I was like, man, this dude is so smooth. He's just so athletic. He has no strength. I'm worried about him. If he doesn't go to a zone offense, I'm pretty worried about Andre Dillard. Like there, me we, too. Like, I'm do you remember you. when we loved Yadni Kajust? Yeah. And then it was like, ah, like he didn't always play strong, and now he's hurt, and we'll wait to see what happens there. I don't know that I like Kajust that different than Dillard. Like, there's yeah. just a perception I'm about them you. that's different, right? Like, oh, Dillard's an athlete. Well, so is Kajust. I, like, what the, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I can't find a team that doesn't have Dillard in the top. 25 picks and I, I have him I think at like 33 on my board but he's gonna get pushed up it's just what happens and and to be yeah. and make this mock draft accurate we're kind of painting the picture of what it's gonna look like not what we think it should I'm with you Matt all the yeah. way I have him at 36 or 7 so yeah I'm pretty low yeah. on him just scares the shit out of me when a tackle has no I mean, power he gets, but watch he got bullied at the senior ball a yes. couple reps and not bullied like Damn, like he just, you know, his pass set was bad. It was like, no, he got ran through. No, he's There's the one that Montez Sweat there. fucking just put Dude, in his coffin. Right. Yes. Yeah, yes. so. And now uh, we're talking about him at pick 16. Right. If he doesn't go to a team that runs a lot of zone, oh, good. And the Panthers should, but goodness gracious. All right, I'm up with the Giants at 17. They took Dwayne Haskins at six with Melo's pick. I think this is so realistic for them um, to take that quarterback early. And I, I see like one of you putting the notes here, and I'm glad you did this. I want to talk about it. I, I have did, them yeah. taking Cleveland Farrell. And again, a lot of people think he's not a great fit for a 3-4 defense. One thing that they are telling people behind the scenes is they are not just going to be like 3-4 personnel. Like they need to be incredibly versatile, which is weird, right? Because guess they traded Olivier Vernon allegedly because he wasn't a scheme fit. I, I'm not convinced that's why they traded Olivier Vernon. I think a lot of it was money and him not having an impact. But I, I think when you look at, uh, at Cleveland Farrell, what do we love about him? We love his get off, his work ethic, his length, his ability to convert speed to power. Like I think you just take that guy, and regardless of your scheme, find a fit for him. Now we are talking about the Giants, and they're not always the smartest team in the world. But I, I do think we'll see them in some way, shape, or form go with a quarterback D line pairing, and it could be a D line at six with like. Rashawn Gary and Daniel Jones at 17. I think that's <laughs> that would be the worst draft in the history of drafts. <laughs> Rashawn Gary and Daniel Jones. Yeah, I know that you guys would love it. So that would be unbelievable. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I, you, 
it's not crazy that to in. think it could happen. No, it could definitely happen, just based on uh, my opinion alone. Uh, I know. I'm with you guys. God, that would be terrible. So you hope it happens. <laughs> yes, I kind of do. Sorry, Giants I'll fans. I'll burst out laughing. Chamberlain. Yeah. I, Mello in New York for a week is going to be great because he's probably going to get shot. <laughs> I mean, last time I was there, I almost got in a fight. So That's true. So for just being polite. Which is a good chance. That's another story for another time. Because <laughs> right now, I'm, I like the Cleveland Furl pick. I think he's very versatile. And in a lot of other mock drafts that we've been doing, we've kind of seen him slide down the board here. But with everybody else coming off the board early, it is going to move him up as well. Before you pick, can I say one thing? Sure. Because... We are Chiefs Never fans mind, now. I changed my mind. <laughs> Never mind, it's not your <laughs> podcast. Um, the edges are gone. And I did a, I did Sunday morning, yeah. I did a Chiefs mock draft, and people got really mad at me because I did not have them take an edge rusher at 29. We just did pick 17, and five edge rushers are off the board. Right. And Well, six if you count Rashawn Gary as an edge. Yeah, and that might be it yeah, for the edges. Yeah. So when you guys get mad at us because we don't have your team in the late 20s picking an edge, Remember this. They're all gone right now. Pick 18, pick 19, they're gone. So I, I think Cleveland Furl is the only chance they have of somebody sliding down to them. And if he's not there, I don't think they take it. God, I, I would have to change my pants if they got Cleveland Furl. That would be, yeah. Hashtag on the nice. desk. You would have to bring me a pair of pants <laughs> on the desk. All right, you're up. <laughs> all right, pick number 18. The Minnesota Vikings have to address their offensive line, and they're going to try to go out and do that. Uh, whether it's guard or tackle, I think Cody Ford is a plug-and-play Type of guy, uh, had him on the podcast. You know he hates defensive linemen, especially from <laughs> Texas. So just go let him eat, develop a little bit. Um, I really like Cody Ford, which is surprising because he's an Oklahoma player. Man, we started some shit. Uh, we definitely did. If y'all missed it, he called Charles a Minihue average, and he said Texas sucks. And so I tweeted about it, and Minihue was not happy. No. <laughs> We've had him on the show, I too. Mean, so. It was great. Long-time listener. I don't think he was... I, I don't think Texas sucks, but I don't think Amenihue is is really good. No, like, I, Average was a fair assessment. I want... So, my, my girlfriend was asking me about this, and she was like, well, isn't the Oklahoma kid going to the first round? I was like, yeah, he's... Yeah. She's oh, like, well, yeah, he is. where's the Texas kid going to go? I was like, I don't know, third round? She's like, so wouldn't you say he's average then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, breakdowns from Shay. Yeah. <laughs> I love One it. of the weird spot things on. about this, though, is that Aminahue actually kicked his ass in the first game, though. He really like, did. Got to the quarterback a couple times, had a very good game. Uh, and then in the second game, kind of disappeared, didn't do much. But it, it it's funny. It's a very good matchup. It's a rivalry that I hope continues somewhere in the NFL. I will say about Aminahue, he's not in our first round. I've had people mad at me for not putting him in round one. I am one of the biggest Texas fans you will ever meet. And I like Charles. I, I like talking to him. He's a, he's a funny guy. He's a good player. If he goes in the first round, the system is broken. So go ahead, Melo. All right, nice. No, I, I agree with you. He should not be in the first round. And I'm going to change my pick here on the fly. The Tennessee Titans, they need some targets. And this guy has not come off of our board yet. And I think people will hate us for it. DK Metcalf is still on the board. Marcus Mariota has to get some guys around him. I know that we've talked about TJ Hawkinson here, but he's already gone. I think Noah Fant could be a fit here, uh, but maybe not with DK still on the board. He can just do too much. Uh, the other positions, the edge guys, we've talked about it. Tennessee needs one of them, but they're all gone right now. So I'm going to go DK Metcalf just because I think they want to get some kind of target in there. And for a lot of people, I think DK is the best one available. Congrats on drafting Corey Davis again. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> but I really think that the Titans are going to go after somebody, and he's just made too much noise to be falling down the board. I know that our opinion maybe is a little low on him, but I don't think the rest of uh, our, our listeners probably think that. I think they will go with a big target who runs a 4-3, and they're going to fall in love with everything that he can do. Dude, DK Metcalf is Bitcoin. Like, <laughs> they, There's so much hype, and it's just going to— it's going to crash so badly. And I realize like, I'm getting cocky about how much I don't like him as a player. He has rare traits. And if they hit, he's going to be freaky good. I mm -hmm. think the probability that his traits hit and he doesn't get hurt are very, very low. So like, I'm bullish on the fact that... Kevin White. Yeah, right. And who I liked. And I guess what? Lesson learned. I also liked yeah. Corey Davis. Lesson learned. Mike Williams. Like, guys who are hurt generally stay hurt. It's like, especially if it's like your neck, your back, you know, things like yeah. that. 
It's kind of hard to recover from. A foot you, injury. You got some important stuff back Had there. Had a 230-pound receiver with a foot injury. Yeah, that's that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Um, all right, I'm up pick 20, uh, and then we'll take one more break here. I'm going to go with Greedy Williams for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've talked about it before. They need another corner opposite Joe Hayden pretty badly. They tried to get that um, a couple years ago. They drafted Artie Burns. He has not been good. I did not like that pick at all. Um they have to. They have to get linked here. They they signed Stephen Nelson in free agency. If that tells you how badly they need corner help, so I, I think Greedy Williams is a really really interesting player. Four three speed, long, good tape, and, and like we've talked before, but like I can't believe this guy's falling. I still think Greedy is probably a top fifteen player in this class. There's just not that sense of urgency with the corners this year. Next on the clock, Seattle Seahawks, 21st overall. I'm going Byron Murphy here. He doesn't have to travel very far. Coming out of Washington, going right down the street, essentially. I think this is just a really nice pick for them. This is a player that is probably a top 15 player overall, and he fall at a premium position. Cornerback really does matter here. So I think Seattle will be looking uh, looking to add some premier pieces to that secondary. I thought about Taylor Rapp here. I'm just going for all their local guys but I think Murphy can make a little more of an impact in that defense. And 22nd here, the Baltimore Ravens going with the other Ole Miss wide receiver, one with a way higher floor in A.J. Brown, who's just been phenomenal throughout this draft process. Really good testing. I think the tape is there. He can make plays with the ball in his hands after the catch. He could really dominate out of the slot. He's a big slot option. The Ravens got to get guys that'll just help every asset of Lamar Jackson's game. And Brown can work the you know the short area passing attack. You could line him up tight. I think he could be really good on the outside if you play him there. So I think the Ravens will keep taking their swings at wide receiver, but this is one that I feel a lot better about than some of the guys they've taken in the past. Yeah, I like it. I want to go to your Seattle pick. I actually think if the board fell this way, they might really consider Noah Fant there because like they haven't yeah. had that like game-changing tight end. You know, they tried the Jimmy Graham thing. I it didn't hope really so. work. I, <laughs> I, I really would like do. to see that. Like I liked Nick Vanette. Will Disley's a great fucking blocker, but like they they need some help at tight end. But um, you know, I like Byron Murphy. I agree with you. He's a round one corner in my opinion. I don't know if he fits their threshold for size, would be the my only thing, but they, they should ignore that and make an exception for this because corner is such a big, big need for them. Um I'm up yeah, here he, 23. He would be small. Yeah. 23, the Houston Texans. This is this is difficult because I think corner is a big need for them. I don't necessarily value any of the corners at this spot, and I know this is like a what we're hearing mock. Um, so, like, I have heard they want corners. I just don't know if you know DeAndre Baker seems to be sliding down the board quite a bit. Uh, I don't. I, I like Trayvon Mullen. I don't think he necessarily is going to be a first round type player. So I, I looked at this roster, and I know they drafted a shitload of tight ends in 2018. I'm going to go Noah Fant, and you can call him a tight end. You can call him a slot player, whatever you want. But I look at guys like Jordan Thomas, who was a sixth-round pick. Like, he's not a difference maker. You know, Jordan Akins, not a difference maker. Ryan Griffin, nope, no thanks. They need a difference maker. With Will Fuller unable to stay healthy, you need someone that can line up in the slot and keep defenses off DeAndre Hopkins. So they have to find an option there. And when Fuller's healthy, you got your you know your three levels here. They can dominate with Fuller stretching the field, Fant working underneath, and and Nuke just being a, a monster all over the field. So this this pick, I think they would love to go O line or corner. The value is just not there. So I went tight end. Yeah, and you definitely took the guy that I was going to take with the Raiders. So I'm up at 24, and I don't really know what to do. I know that they need a corner. They needed some targets, but I don't like any of the other tight ends right here at 24. Uh, so I am going to go with corner. I'm going to go with Rocky Sin, uh, your guy, Matt. I think that they just need cornerback too much that they're going to target one of these guys with these first couple picks. And if they start to fall off the board, I don't want. I don't think they want to wait uh, until their next pick to try to get a corner. So they're going to go ahead and take Rocky Sin right here. I like him so much. Like you said, he's kind of been flagged as one of my guys. I still want to do um, our our good friend Daniel Jeremiah talks about red star players. It's something they did in Baltimore where it's like a guy who isn't the best player at the position necessarily, but just someone you believe in as a player. Mm -hmm. Rocky Sin was a two-time state wrestling champ in high school, and you see that when he plays corner. He's feisty, so physical. So I want to do a a red star episode. Make sure, don't, don't let me forget to do that, because I think it would be really fun for each of us to pick five guys that we put our name on this year and say, might not be a, a first round pick, might not be a top 10 pick, whatever it is. But like, 
you just love their game. You know, like you Puna Ford for you last year, Melo. Like he would have been a red star guy for you. So uh, I, I want to. And I would have drafted him and looked like a fucking genius too. Because yeah, everybody right. else missed out on him. All right, boys, I'm back up at pick number 25 with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't know what the hell you do with the Philadelphia Eagles because they've addressed almost all of their needs this offseason. They shored up their interior offensive linemen. They've got a good O-line anyway. They have a tight end. They've got some receivers. They addressed running back with Jordan Howard. So I didn't know what the hell to do with them. I'm going to give them a do-it-all guy in the secondary. I know they have some guys back there, too, but Taylor Rapp fills every need. I think he can come in, play nickel corner, provide depth at free and strong safety. If he's there at pick 25, Eagle fans have to be very happy with him because he's going to develop and be an exceptional player in the secondary. If there's a role open, if they need a guy, he can fill it. I absolutely love it, Mello. Um, He's one of my favorite players in the class, first round all the way, and... Like this, this does seem like an Eagles type pick where it's like, oh, let's just find somebody who can do a little bit of everything. Just best player available. Yep. All right. I'm up 26, the Indianapolis Colts. This is a pick that's been long rumored. I think Chris Ballard could do this because they have pick 34 overall as well. I'm going Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State, a player who I believe, were it not for the ACL injury, we would be talking about as a top 10 pick. Even with the video in his past of punching the woman when he was breaking up a fight, I, I think that teams feel like, they're past that. They're okay with it. It's not like a Joe Mixon scenario. It's not a Tyree Kill thing. So I think teams are at peace with his past. Maybe not every team, but it teams good enough to consider him early. He's a top five talent in this class. Being available here, even though you're probably going to miss half of his rookie season because of the ACL, you want five years of Jeffrey Simmons. You want that fifth-year option, and you turn right around at 34. If you want to get a corner, you can get a Trayvon Mullen. You get maybe a Rocky Sin. I know Melo, you just had him going, but there are still talented players you could get at 34. Jeffrey Simmons, if he gets right, you're getting a Chris Jones type talent at, at pick number 26 overall. Yeah, I think if it's not for the injury, we probably see him and play it, like you said, at top 10. Uh, maybe even the Detroit Lions at eight could go after him. He's just exceptional on the field. I know that he's had a couple problems off the field. I don't think those are character concerns. I think a guy messed up and there's a big difference between somebody who's messed up and a guy who has character concerns. We've seen people with character concerns and they've never gotten in trouble, but there's still concerns there. So I think that's the difference with a guy like Jeffrey Simmons. He's a phenomenal player. He's somebody that I went to as far as comparing him to Ndamukong Sue. So, and definitely seems like a Ballard type pick. So I think you really, you nailed it there, Matt. Number 27, Oakland Raiders, their third first round pick of this draft. I'm going with Josh Jacobs here. I think he's somebody that would be an instant producer in this offense. They went out. They, uh, they're they starting to build a powerhouse offensive line, gave Trent Brown a lot of money, went out and got Antonio Brown, so defenders aren't really going to stack the box there. Josh Jacobs is a good pass catcher. He can obviously pass protect, and he we know what kind of power runner he is. He just seems like a John Gruden kind of player, and I think this <laughs> yeah. is just a really, really good fit for Oakland. I don't like. I don't remember off the top of my head that Gruden never had like great running backs. I think he had Charlie Garner with the Raiders. Mike Allstott. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did have those guys. They were pretty <laughs> good. Dunn. Yeah, they were okay. They weren't bad. Thanks. Was like, that were those his Tampa Bay Bucks or was that Tony Dungy? I think they were I both. could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, they were good. But I I agree. You guys know how much I love Josh Jacobs. I know his testing times weren't great. I still think he's a first round caliber player. Um, I, I will be interested. Our running back rankings come out very early this week, and. I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it. I am prepared to move Josh Jacobs down because I had him, I had him high. I believe in his skill set a lot, but he's not can't miss. He's not Nick Bosa. He's not Trent Richardson. (laughs) I hate you so much. God, brutal. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. You're so lucky you don't have a brother, Connor. (laughs) Well, Matt is in rage mode. 28. I consider you guys my brothers. I just don't have to get, I don't have to get picked on all the time. Just sometimes. So 28, the Los Angeles Chargers is a team that's got to get tougher up front. And who better than Christian Wilkins here? He's somebody that can disrupt the run game. He can get after the quarterback from the interior. This is a team that was pretty close this year, but got punched in the mouth against those New England Patriots. So Christian Wilkins, instant impact player with a winning pedigree up front for them at 28 overall. Yeah, I love Christian Wilkins. No nonsense. I don't think he does anything great, but he does everything well. Do you see that split he could do? That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> All right, yeah. I think he's exceptional as like a leader. You get him and Derwin James on the same defense. I think that changes the whole face of your defense. And then, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Bosa or Ingram yet. 
Yeah. Uh, no, that's a, a scary, scary uh, defense if that happens. There's So there's like someone knocking on our wall, and I'm like super confused about what's happening. There's creepy stuff going on in the office. There really Maybe is. Maybe we like, should talk about the fact that our uh, stuff turned off after pick 24, and we had to do it again. Yeah. And as now, did Connors. There's like a knocking sound. I think it's coming from the closet, and I'm fucking terrified. I don't know. So. I'm ready to get the hell out of yep. here, guys. All right. 29 uh, <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, people are going to be mad at me. I'm taking Garrett Bradbury because here's the deal. Pat Ma- Pat Mahomes, and I said this once before, and our equipment stopped working. Pat Mahomes is the most important player in Kansas City Chiefs history. You have to protect the franchise. You can't go down the path that the Colts went with Andrew Luck. You have to get your Ryan Kelly. Like, they mm-hmm. went and they fixed that position. I think Garrett Bradbury, maybe not as good as Ryan Kelly, but he's close. He's more athletic. He is elite at getting to the second level and making plays in their zone scheme in Kansas City. He is incredibly important. And as we pointed out at pick uh, 18, there were no edge rushers worth drafting here. I would not reach for Jalen Ferguson. I said it before. I don't think Charles Amini, who was a first-round player, even though some of y'all in Kansas City seem to think so. There's not an edge rusher that I would take here. Even There's not even a player within the next 10 picks that I would reach for. No, I mean, people will throw out Jalen Ferguson. We've seen how he's done. Uh, I think you can get good value in the second round, at edge position. And the Kansas City Chiefs have two picks in the second round. So I know you want to address the defense. You can do that with some other guys. I think at this pick, if you're going to go defense, the only value would be like a three-tech defensive tackle. But guess what? You have one, and he's pretty damn good. So the Kansas City Chiefs, they got to be happy with what's going on here at center. Go get Garrett Bradbury. You can execute that fifth-year option because I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl center. Then you have a guy to protect Pat Mahomes for five more years. Man, I, I really want to make my Jalen Ferguson joke again, but it's just hard to make it hit twice. <laughs> you can't replay so, jokes, yeah. So the first time we did this, I said the only problem with reaching for Jalen Ferguson here is that he won't be ready for camp because he's still running his three cone. So I love the Garrett Bradbury pick. Uh, instant impact all day. Uh, he's tough. He's nasty. He gets to the second level and just punishes people. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to love that pick. And I definitely do. Uh, I'm up now with the Packers pick. This is their second pick in the first round. With the first pick, we had them taking Devin Bush, which I think is going to really help sure up that defense. And I know that there are a lot of other people that would say they still need some things on defense, but I think they have a pretty good look. They bring in Adrian Amos at free safety, so I don't think they need to address that. Uh, They have some good talent at corner. They went and they filled in their edge position needs. They just took a middle linebacker. Uh, As far as offensive linemen, I don't know that they really want to take one of those guys right here. What they did try to do last year was go find a big target for Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to give them my wide receiver one here in Nikhil Harry. I think that Nikhil Harry is a guy that can win on the outside, but a lot of people love him in the slot. There's no tight end available here because we already have Hawkinson and Noah Fant going. I'm not a fan of Irv Smith, and Matt, I know you're not either. No, I'm really not. I he has taken one of the biggest hits during draft 400 because, like, we actually have to go back and watch like any games that we missed, and like you're you're going from notes to a scouting report, which might sound silly, but like once you organize your thoughts, it's much easier to see how you really view a player. And then when you have to like when it's nut cutting time and you got to put a grade <laughs> on that guy, and you're like, ah, like. And a first rounder. Wait, what? Yep. What cutting time? Nut cutting time. That's a Missouri saying. It's like, wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> when you castrate a bull, it's nut cutting time. Ed Oliver what would the understand. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like when it's time to like when it yeah, when it's when it's serious time, like, yeah, ask Ed Oliver about this. He would be with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm Do totally you really, with yeah, you. Yeah, you've really never heard that? <laughs> no. Huh. I'm going to start using that it all New the Jersey. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's surprising we don't have bulls here that we cut the nuts off of. Yeah. Oh, There's man. a lot of different ways to do that, too. Sometimes you just put a rubber all band right. on there. Real time. <laughs> <laughs> Learning all different kinds of things here with this mock draft. I'm up again <laughs> with the Los Angeles Rams, and this is another case of just a team that has filled a lot of their needs already. I would love to have picked... Nasir Adderley here, but they went out and signed Eric Weddle. They have two very good corners. Uh, Their defensive line is great. I don't know what to do with them. They have great receivers. Uh, Todd Gurley is a pretty damn good running back. So I think the one need that they might have is on the offensive line. So I'm going to give them Dalton Reisner here because I think he can come in and start immediately 
at guard. And then you can develop him and bring him along to replace a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who might be done in a year or two, and then Reisner can be your left tackle of the future. I like it a lot. I like Reisner. Um, Again, in our previous edition of this podcast that the ghost didn't ruin, I talked about how some people believe he's a fake tough guy, but we saw him fighting Zach Allen at the Senior Bowl. He's not a fake tough guy. No, he's a you, real tough guy. You don't pick Zach Allen to be the guy you go after if you're a fake tough guy. You're no, going to you pick, pick someone specialists. else. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> or even like this linebacker class is weak. You go after uh, somebody right. like that, not Zach Allen. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm up, right? Yep. Last pick. Yeah, your favorite team. The New England Patriots are up, and there was a there was a debate about this on the first recording of Sick Football today. It's like the old Sick Football Fridays where we have to re-record stuff all the time. Um, different reason. So New England at 32 could definitely go safety here. Jonathan Abrams on the board could go corner. Trayvon Mullen, DeAndre Baker uh, could go for one of those weak-ass linebackers like Melo said. Mac Wilson's on the board. I am going to go with the need that the Patriots have tried to fill all offseason. They tried to trade for Antonio Brown. They tried to trade for Odell Beckham. They tried to sign Adam Humphreys. I'm going to give him Paris Campbell, who as a yards after catch weapon, he is elite. Now, he's a traits guy. There's the, the production is not going to scream first round, but the speed and the potential for him to break out, if he can play in an offense where they can get him touches, I, I think he could be special. Man, I, I like a lot of receivers better than Paris Campbell. And I know you guys really love him. I mean, if you're looking for speed, I would go with Nicole Hardman, who's going to be on this show today. I think Zach Allen here would have been terrifying. But it is interesting. New England needs somebody that can vertically stretch the field. And Campbell wasn't always given the opportunity to do that in that weird Ohio State offense. But we know he has the speed to actually do it. So, I mean, I'm not sold on him. But whenever New England takes anyone, I get fearful that they will pan out. (laughs) You got to pay attention. I think Marquise Brown would be like a legitimate... Uh, you know, counterpoint to someone who was a legitimate deep threat oh, he was awesome at Oklahoma. Threat. I just worry about injury with him. Like foot injuries on a receiver scare the shit out of me. Especially one that's already very small, like yeah. 170 pounds. Yeah. yeah, not a good look there. I really like Paris Campbell. He would probably be a top five receiver for me once I finally get to ranking them. I love what he can do, and I love what he can do with this offense. If you don't think he is a vertical threat. He doesn't have to be with New England. You can go let him be Julian Edelman 2.0. He's very quick, like you said, yak for days. You can get this guy on a quick screen, and he can take it to the house. Uh, That's what Dwayne Haskin loved to do at Ohio State. Yeah, Uh, interesting player. It's an interesting draft for New England. They have 12 picks, and they could do anything here. Like, nothing would surprise me. They could take Daniel Jones here. Be like, okay, well, maybe Tom's getting ready to hang him up. And they... I don't know. That's a joke. There's no way they think he's the future. But um, yeah, maybe they trade this for Josh Rosen. Who knows? Maybe so. God, Connor would be so pissed if they traded for his QB1. (laughs) Oh, my God. I could feel Uh, the heat. Half pissed. I would also be pretty happy because I think he'd be pretty fucking great there. So it'd be like, oh, well. Looks like I was right. right. Yeah, right. You just want to be right. You don't care about any of that. (laughs) Exactly. Let's throw to our interview. Melo and I did with Miko Hardman. Um, Guys, congrats, by the way. This is the 200th episode of Stick to Football. Man. Holy smokes. Yeah. Been doing it for a while. Yep. Getting old, getting up there. In in about a month, we'll be up to 250 because we have 9 million (laughs) shows planned. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like my weight. You know, like it's just it's going up I fast. I thought you were right. trending the other way. I'm trying. I'm trying. We keep doing tailgate tours. It doesn't help. I'll tell you that. Like <laughs> It's not good for the waistline. All right, Mello, let's uh, let's talk to Miko Hardman. All right, Mello, we are joined by one of the fastest, most agile players in the 2019 NFL draft. That's Georgia's Miko Hardman. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. And like I said, I don't think a lot of folks realize just how fast and explosive you are. When I was watching your tape, I started nicknaming you Scoot because you're just like scooting all over the field making these plays. So how big of a part is that 4-3-3 speed to your game? Uh, it's very important, man. Uh, I think I think it's viable because, you know, um, DBs or just defenders, they, they fear speed. So just to have that asset and you know, know how to use it and uh, use it to your advantage, it helps you a lot, especially like in routes or – the deep balls are just setting up certain things. So, and your speed kills, and I was going to be like that. So, to have it is very important. Was that four three three time at the combine? Did that surprise you, or was that pretty consistent with what you were running and training? Now, I'm disappointed in the time. Um, should have been faster, um, but it just 
you really, I really couldn't get out like that I wanted to. Um, that kind of made me mad, but it's all good. I mean, four three is four three, but I know I know I was faster than that, but it's all good. What yeah. what is like the fastest you've ever been recorded? Like I know that people get timed at practices and everything like that. What's the fastest time you've actually ever posted in the forty? Uh, I went four twenty four, uh, four two four, um, training, and um, it was on laser, but um, it's kind of different when you're training and you actually out there, you know, um, doing that to come by different kind of surfaces. Uh, certain surfaces faster than others, and um, but that's the fast I've I've been recorded. Yeah, I, I think that's something a lot of people forget about or they don't realize is how stressful the combine is that you go through all the interviews, the the medical testing and all that, and then you're asked to work out and run. So of those things that went down, the medicals, what was the most stressful part of it for you? Um, I won't say it's stressful, but as far as like that you was ready to go, it, it was definitely the medical, um, definitely going to all the rooms and Basically doing the same thing over and over. It, it, it gets to you, but I think they do that on purpose just to see uh, guys who, who mental focus is better than others and um, who can, you know, take on the process better than others. I think that's a, a big, you know, component in the combine with people trying to look at. So, but definitely the medical, it, it was so long, especially if you had to get an MRI or something like it really tests your patience for sure. Yeah. And, you know, everybody always talks about the combine and kind of the weird questions that they have. Uh, did you face anything like that? I know that one of the guys we talked to earlier said that they asked him if he'd ever done cocaine. Have you, Did you get anything like that? Any weird questions? Oh, uh, yeah. They, um, they ask you any and everything. Um, well, yeah, definitely drugs, all kind of drugs. They ask you, you know, have you ever tried it? Have you ever thought about it? Um, actually, if your family ever did it, like, damn. Yeah, they ask you all kind of things. And I guess just trying to get a grasp of it and, and see, you know how you or how you respond to it, but um, but yeah, they they can ask you anything. You it's it's definitely you know unexpected anything that they can ask you. So you just got to be prepared for anything. Something you can't prepare for is just something that you got to answer. So yeah, they definitely ask you something you probably never heard of before. Did, was there any teams that you connected with? Like I've heard stories about like guys this year. Um, I think it was Ed Oliver was like, man, the Dolphins were tough on me. Like they were giving me shit. And, and, but then other teams are like, cool. So did you have any of those experiences where like one team, like, you know, you get it and you're cool. And then others where it's like, damn, like that guy was riding my ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely seem like that. I know the Chiefs going to be pretty hard a little bit. Oh, uh, <laughs> I believe if I don't, if I, if I remember correctly, um, other teams are cool. Like the lines is cool. You know, and most of the teams are cool. Some of them, you know, they, they, they break you down, but they build you right back up. So, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, what kind of coaching staff they got and, um, you know, how they approach things. But usually if they, they build you down, you know, they're going to build you back up, you know, show you some bad clips, show you some good clips. So it, it, they definitely, you know, try to see how you respond, especially with the bad clips. If you're going to take responsibility or if you're going to, you know, blame somebody else, or, you know, if you, you know, they're really looking for it really when they show you the bad things. But most of the, most of the other team, they, they're cool. Or they, they, you know, they vibe with you. So did you get a vibe for any teams that maybe will be targeting you? Uh, specifically in the draft or any teams that won't be? Well, in my opinion, I feel like I buy with a lot of them well. You know, um, I made a great conversation with all of them. Every team that I, that I spoke to, um, I can't really, you know, I really can't say or no uh, point out any specific team because at the time, I, don't, I really don't know. Like, but most of them, I just got the same vibe. They, they love me. They like me. They like what I bring to the table. And, and, it, and then it just went off of that, so... You're kind of like billed as a gadget guy a little bit. Is that offensive to you, or do you like the idea that you're a do-it-all player? I don't want to say offensive. The only thing offensive to me when guys is, you know, specialize me as a as a returner or like a specialist. Um, that they really like offend me because I feel like you know you don't you don't think I'm I'm good at receiver or you don't believe my receiving abilities. But um, as far as a gadget player, I mean, I don't mind it because I know I can get sweeps. I can you know take the top off. I can receive. So, but yeah, definitely. Um, gadget player is not a bad thing at all. But um. But the most offensive thing probably just like, oh, you're a returner. You will get him. You get him later. You know, he's a returner. He could do that. But like, but and I'm in a draft as a receiver. You know, of course, the special teams value. You know, you know, especially add value. But I definitely, you know, hate people that just try to specialize me as a returner or something like that. Well, they're not going to get you very late. I don't think. Uh, I got a feeling nobody nobody could be sleeping on you. You had the chance to play with some great quarterbacks at Georgia: um, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields. I want you to power rank those guys for me. Who's the best at number one, <laughs> then number two, number three? I'm putting you on the spot. You got to do it. Oh, but, oh man. I, I wish I could do that. That's a good question. Uh, but as far as, you know, just the quarterbacks, man, um, 
I think they're unique in their own way. You know, I can, I really can say that. You know, Jacob more of the you know the the do it all quarterback with the arm. You know, Jacob got an arm; he can make any throw on the field. Um, he got he has a cannon. You remind me of Matthew Stafford a lot. You know, um, and you got Jake that that's the brains that's so smart. You know, that that knows every play, know every defense, know every scheme, know know the defense in and out, uh, know the offense in and out. So. You know, he more of the brains, you know, Justin more of the, the playmaker who can who can get out of the pocket, throw it deep, can stay in the pocket, you know, more of an all-around type of quarterback. So they, they differ in their own way, man. But I, I like all of them. I can't really rank them because you put them in different systems, they, they thrive better than others, you know, so you just don't know. So, All right, well, let's stick with Georgia. Who's the best Georgia football player of all time? That one should be a little easier to answer, at least. Ooh, Georgia football player. Well, from my eyes, you know, you know, of course, Herschel Walker is the, you know, the GOAT, uh, will always be the GOAT for sure, and I'm not taking that away from him, but I'm going to put it to, like, the I've seen that I've watched from um, Georgia that, that growing up, um, I'd probably say um, that I've seen, even as a kid, probably Todd Gurley, man. Just Todd Gurley was special. He, yeah. Yeah, just see what he did at Georgia, man. Uh, it was unbelievable, especially in three years that he did. even got hurt. Still went, like, what, 10th overall? Like, I mean, guy's a beast, man. Uh, him and uh, – probably him and Matthew Stafford, probably the two that I've, that I've seen just playing, even growing up watching was just special in, in their own way. All right. Do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents? Yeah, like, you know, any party tricks you can pull out? Nah, nah I'm, I'm pretty basic. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I got no, no, no hidden tricks out there like that on my sleeve. I when I was a kid, I could smell you. I could smell crayons and say what color it was. That's mine. That's he's, all I got. He's not high right now. This is a true story that he thinks uh, Matt's you can color. Smell, one. You could smell crayons. Yeah. You heard him correctly. Yep. He thinks he could smell colors. I still can. What? Yeah. Yep. It's a true um, story. I ain't. Ne- I ain't never heard of that before. Well, you get a little bit of everything on the Stick to Football podcast. Uh, before That's we crazy. we want to play a game with you, but I got one more question for you before we do that. What are your plans right. for draft weekend? Uh, whether you're picked Thursday night, Friday night, what are you going to be doing to to pass the time? Uh, man, um, me and my family going to go to Atlanta, um, get a little spot there in Atlanta, just chill, vibe, you know, just immediate family, you know, kick it, have fun, man, just, you know, chill with the family, enjoy the moment, and then when my name called, you know, enjoy that, and then I know we're going to be back home um, after the draft or whatever, we're going to have like a big old cookout, invite people over, and Really invite the family and everything, have a big cookout. My uncles and them cooking, and you know, just enjoy the day, vibe, have some music playing, and kick it like it's old school, really. What time y'all doing that? That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just want to slide that address in the DMs. Yeah, uh, yeah we, just, we can probably yeah, find our way to Atlanta. Yeah. Shoot, yeah, shoot. come on. It's definitely invited. For <laughs> just sure. shoot me a text. Um, no we want to we'll play a game with you. And what we do, like okay. Melo and I are going to say a, a name or a word, and you're going to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? so First thing that comes to my mind. Yep. All right. Good or bad. Yep. Good or bad. All right. You ready? All right. First one, Alabama. Uh, disappointing. <laughs> All right. There we go. <laughs> All right. What about Nick Saban? Let's keep it with Alabama. Great. Yep. Oh, wow, man. He's professional. Yep. yep. Jake Fromm. Smart. Kirby Smart. Tough. Greedy Williams. Laid back. Oh. All right. Let's go. What about the best receiver in the NFL? Tony O'Brien. Oh, nice. man. You that was quick. Are we you prepared? Did you right? I didn't into our doc. I didn't text his agent these questions. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. That was really good. If you think like that on the field, man, you're gonna be just fine. You got nothing to worry about. So you've been playing family feud or something? Like you seem prepared for those quick hit answers. I mean, I'm just, you know, you said first thing on mine, so I just got to go. get it out. I, I definitely like it, man. We've had a lot of fun with you. This is good. Uh, just, yeah, just hit us up at that barbecue. I mean, we ain't got nothing to do that weekend anyway. So, um, sure, yeah. yeah, we'll tell our Chiefs to take it easy on you uh, from here on out as well because, man, I'd like to see Pat throwing to you. That'd be fun. I've actually seen people compare you to Tyreek Hill with that speed and your versatility. I know Matt maybe said gadget guy, but you can't. You can take that jet sweep. You can do the return thing. Is there any guy in the NFL maybe other than Tyreek Hill that you compare your game to or that you kind of – Try to make your game mirror him after. Uh, I like I like Brandon Cooks um, from nice. the Rams. I I definitely like his game, and you know it's more of the uh, the older son Jackson. You know when he first came in the league, like what he was doing. Um, definitely, definitely think about that when he's on the Eagles. Like I mean, shoot, I I definitely prepare my game them them, um, them three players. 
There we go. Man, he's you're prepped. I bet your interviews went great. This was easy. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, we talk to some players and it's like pulling teeth to get answers. So it's uh, it's always nice when somebody's uh, ready to have some fun. All right, dude. We're gonna be rooting for you draft weekend. Um, best of luck to you. Can't wait to see you tearing people up next year. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, that is our show for Monday morning. Thanks to Melo O'Connor for knocking out a mock draft. Hopefully, y'all appreciated it and enjoyed it. Hit us on Twitter, at Stick to Football. Let us know your favorite and least favorite picks. Wednesday, Connor and I will be back. Melo and I have a pre-recorded interview with Foster Moreau, and I want to tell you, it's my favorite interview we've ever done at Stick to Football. So you're going to want to listen Wednesday morning as well. We'll talk to you all then. Thanks for listening. 